So, Lucretia, you are from Colombia originally, yes. mm -hmm. and you've lived in Colombia, Barcelona, Spain, and now Berlin. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell us a little bit about um, how that progression happened and what was involved in your progression as an artist to, to travel those th sort of three stages? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was born in a little town called Pereira. Uh, no, it's actually a city, I have to say. It's just that sometimes you get accustomed to different standards, but anyway. So, uh, and then I moved to Medellin, which is one of the, like the third uh, city to study civil engineering. But uh, music was quite important for me all this time because uh, my family, especially the side of my mother is, is quite musical in the sense. My grandfather was a drummer, my my grandmother was a singer, but everybody just as a hobby. My uncle was back in the day trying to remove with tape recorders the voice of this singer that he liked just to record his voice on top. And I guess all this information was there for me to when finally the decision happened to make it um, made sense and made it, yeah, made it valuable, I don't know. But yeah, I, for other reasons, I, I end up studying engineering and I uh, work for two years. <coughs> I'm sorry. So um, it was two years in a geotechnical company. So we were, yes, thank you. We were designing um, all the stuff that was related to soil and uh, in teams of um, with with geologists and um, laboratories to analyze the soil and then um, to how to design foundation, retaining walls, pavements, and all that. And I worked there for two years. And then uh, right at the time I was starting to decide if I should do a master or something. And I actually applied for a master and then uh, an Erasmus. And then I wasn't really sure because I started to feel like maybe it was the time I was 25 back then. And then I said, okay, maybe this is the time that I should really stop and consider this that just intuitively, I think, makes sense. So, um, yeah, that's what I did. I started just to work uh, with the computer and record. I was uh, lucky to have some people there that were already using Ableton Live and stuff, and they were interested to, to produce music and DJs, and we were trying to gather together to buy vinyls, because back in the day it was very difficult, like, to find stores in Colombia, it was impossible. So mm. we gathered together to to make the taxes less less difficult and bring vinyls and DJ and stuff like this. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, I end up in Barcelona for other reasons than music, but um, it became the place where everything sort of made sense for what I was doing. And sort of where everything 
started to become a career or try mm-hmm. to show the first, uh, yeah. Um, I was interested to ask you a little bit about that, um, um, what was happening in the Colombian music scene that drew you into music. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I'm really fascinated also to ask you about your geoengineering job as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad that, that, that you've um, brought that up. Um, what was going on in the music scene that stimulated your interest in, in the electronic music in Colombia um, at that time? Yeah, it was a very, very small scene. Uh, it was a group of, I don't know, maybe 10 people. I would say making trying to interested right on so really small, small scene. yeah because the, the main uh, music concerns back in the day of mainstream I would say uh, where um, well of course whatever came from America but also um, local rhythms vallenato cumbia cumbia not so strong as it is right now mm-hmm. that came again um, but yeah so you 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 only heard or there was no concerts at all there was no like techno parties it was really rare like back in the day so this group with this group we started just to do stuff together and Mm. like i said yeah organize parties together buy records together play the music and just very intuitively, like we only have, I don't remember the name of the store back in the day, but like you bought records just by listening to 12 second sample mm-hmm. online uh, of a super compressed file. And then this is the only reason why you end up buying and just by reading, by, it was, yeah, it was yeah. a time in which you sort of trusted labels or the, the decision, the curatorial decision of the labels or stuff because there was no information and there was, yeah, the information was quite more limited. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was very stimulating for me, <coughs> especially to think about uh, that I could do stuff alone, that I could record, that I could um, with very little try to do stuff. I was, yeah, I was just very lost back mm-hmm. in the day. and. So you didn't have a musical um, training or I had a some study? very basic um, like piano lessons when I was younger mm-hmm. and um, yeah like reading and voice and guitar lessons and that's it but yeah as far as electronic music goes or composition this way it was self-taught or just in, within the group, trying mm. to figure it out and trying to gather ideas. And then, so when you when you came to Barcelona, um, you had a completely different. You were you were going into a completely different realm, a different social realm of music, and that there was probably I can imagine, yeah, a lot more going on and a lot more mm. music happening. Um, how um, how was your first sort? What were your sort of first um, forays into into music when you were in Barcelona? Well, was, well, what were your first kind of steps uh, and actions into music production and playing and performing? Yeah, I 
I just remember going to this Primavera Sound Festival and trying to grasp it all because, of course, coming from Colombia was like, this was the first time I've ever seen somebody or I've ever seen so many performances happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like right now, it's, it's really insane to think about it because it's, it became so normal, this access to whatever, you know. Mm. To, to information all the time and uh, to possibilities of seeing almost everything just by living here or living there, just being mm. here in Europe, I guess. But that didn't happen there. It was, I remember back in the day, like, Miss Keaton is going to Colombia, like, when it was totally wasted, you know? Mm -hmm. And then uh, it, it was, it's funny, but yeah, um, at the beginning it was very stimulating and I was just trying to grasp uh, as much as I could, try to go to everything I could, mm -hmm. concerts, to try to see it all. And then, yeah, just stay at home and record as much as I could as well. And so um, your, first, your first records, I'm looking at your biography, so your first record was made when you were there, or was your first I did made one when I was living in Colombia. That's the official first one. It's just that maybe I felt when I was in Barcelona, I felt that maybe actually the first one was the one that I made there just because I felt it carried more like um, more thought or mm -hmm. more like responsibility in the sense like to make it a record or a concept if if I can call it this way. So, um, yeah. And so then after that, you came here. Yeah, I so stayed, yeah, five years in Barcelona. I recorded, so, yeah, two uh, records uh, there. Two, three, two records. Exactly. And then I came here two years and a half. Go two years and a half, yeah, and then yeah, I've been. How did that change things for you in terms of your process when you came to Berlin? Did how could you describe it a little bit about how your process maybe and your approach to music did mm -hmm. it change when you came here? I'm just curious because I find that. A lot of the stuff that we talk about here is about how much the city influences the way that people produce music mm -hmm. and what they produce and how their um, creative output is affected by the environment and maybe the sort of freedom that is in, that is um, allowed to by by living here in the city. Mm -hmm. um, could you maybe give us a, a little bit of an ov overview of how much that maybe influenced you? and your music and the changes and maybe different things that happened that... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do consider that the city definitely has, yeah, shape, shape, yeah, my English is really bad, sorry. So, um, um, because, yeah, just, just maybe just as simple as just the information that you find in the streets, like in the in the little talks that you have at at a, at a bookshop or at a cafe or something mm. like, just that is 
has become like quite essential to what I do um, because recommendations or um, yeah, uh, somebody else is doing this because of that reason. And then I don't know, like how information cluster and like becomes part of what you do. Like I, I didn't think about this of this possibility back in Colombia at all. Like mm -hmm. this sort of clouds of information that are there in the city, like con like contained just by in the in the talks or something like this. And I feel like of all the cities that I've lived in, which is only yeah, Barcelona and Medellin and, and stuff, this has been the city that has more of these more of these concentrated talks where mm. you can really get a lot of inspiration and um, or also concerts or over and over going to see somebody that you admire and see the differences for example and how he manages one room compared to the other for example and this has been important definitely to to shape um, and also what is important is that I got uh, a um, yeah, like a stipendium by Music Board um, okay. right when I arrived, but I really wasn't expecting this. I, I wrote a, a proposal because mm -hmm. the, the call was for uh, foreign artists uh, living in Berlin who had sort of a pop, electronic pop approach. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote this... Uh, proposal and I got it so this was at least financially like very important right. for me to start and not to worry so much about um, yeah and and just really have an excuse to make this album happen because I really like uh, um, wrote this proposal that was quite complex in a way because I was about to investigate German cinema, which I didn't know so much about, just mm -hmm. because I started to use a technique um, like four years ago or so, which is to screen films in the in the background without sound and sometimes putting the volume up and down. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> either the visual uh, images or the sound that comes as clusters of information sometimes give me guidance to what I do. Sometimes when I feel lost, as I'm working alone, uh, sometimes uh, it feels like I need a external element to tell me what to do because I'm just stuck okay. in a moment of production. So do you use the visual thing as kind of almost like a score that is, or a stimulation for you? Yeah, it's just stimulating. I don't, I don't relate it so much as a score. I would say mm -hmm. it's more like oh, they're working this way, or this is happening, or this change happened just in colors or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I'm maybe making a loop that doesn't go anywhere. And then uh, this amount of information tells me, no, maybe you should do this. Or I just put the volume up and down quickly, like, and then this little, little thing that comes there uh, gives me okay. ideas. Yeah. Um, so that, um, in a way, do, would you say that that is, uh, is improvisation? In a, in a way, do you consider that a kind of improvisation technique? Would, um, for you to, when you develop your ideas, do you, would, you, would you consider that to be improvisation? I or? would consider that 
chance-based yeah. uh, more than anything because I don't feel like I'm improvising with the instrument or something like that. I'm just mm -hmm. letting things happen as they happen, you know, mm -hmm. and then um, as they happen, I also grasp it and then I just, it's just like a movement for me, like mm -hmm. a, I'm trying to <coughs> engage in, in this movement or something. And then, um, yeah, I have found that this is a good way just to not feel stuck in a situation because sometimes you're just going around and then you just need like a little boom and then you just leave or do something else. Um, would, would you like to play us some of your stuff? Maybe we could listen to a piece or two? Or
Yeah. <laughs> wow. That speaker was also participating. <laughs> the speaker was. Yeah, he was adding to it. Adding to it. To Breaking some up a little. Distortion. Oh, okay. It's okay. It's okay. fine. I like it. Okay. Um, a thing that, that really strikes me about um, all of your music is you have a really strong, really, really strong sense of space. There's a really amazing sense of space in it. And I, I find that really quite unique because a lot of music becomes very dense and compressed. And I wondered if you could explain a little bit about your technical process, about how you actually make this stuff. Yeah, I'm very dysfunctional about this, but I do think a lot about this. Like, I like to not to have the feeling that I'm in a space, just in one space, which is a, a yeah, a feeling that I have in with a lot of contemporary music that I feel stuck in a space, in a world, mm -hmm. like with very specific walls and stuff like this. So, yeah, just by, how do you say, trial and error, I, yeah. I try to do, uh, to think about that the, that the music moves in different spaces or even that mm. the perception of the music is, is taken by another thing that is not a human being or I think about all this uh, stuff to try to think what, how the sound could behave in this way. Like in this case, for example, for this record, I started to think of this object that is experiencing this media of sound and how its movement actually was affecting how, how this music. So that's why I put, put up a lot of Lisandi on it and like there is change of speed or it comes to uh, different, yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly yeah. organic in the way that it evolves from these different spaces from one to another. I exactly, think. yeah. And I also like this idea of something that is not repeating, that is constantly mm -hmm. moving. But I, I do believe that it still feels approachable in this sense. Like, like I like to make it uh, that you could still attach maybe to something. Yes, yes. I don't know why I feel this necessity. Maybe just because of my background, actually, like I... I I wasn't making electronic or abstract or uh, this kind of music at, at the very beginning. I was more in towards pop music and yeah, like in Colombia, I was listening more to very melodic, uh, rich uh, music, mm -hmm. boleros, let's say, or um, yeah, cumbia in this way or rhythmic or as well. So. That's also important for me to keep a balance that is not only sound, you know, like mm. it has a certain... And so that's off your new record that just came out today. Yeah, yesterday. And yesterday. Yes. And some, a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you about um, your methods of distribution. Mm. And there is something really interesting about this record and the label that um, it is coming out on Care of Editions. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if you could explain a little bit about the method and the procedure of the way that it is dis distributed, both and as a vinyl 
a record and as a digital release. Mm-hmm. And the unique um, business model or method that mm-hmm. Care of Editions are doing with your record and a few other different, I think three or four, five other releases so far. Yeah, on it's, that six, label. it's six releases. This is basically an art project of uh, Gary, who runs the label. And uh, it consists, la- like the business model that he has is that um, as long as there are record sales, people can do- download the music and get paid by to download the music actually. But it's a little bit more complicated because it's like once there is a record sale, then he opens like the window for the download and it has to happen right at this time. And right. then, um, and then I don't so know the equation, but it, I think it's up to $45. And then uh, like the maximum amount that you can get for a download is 45 but then, yeah, he has like this um, circle, which he explains like when there are two, three, four, whatever releases, then you can get paid. Uh, so yeah, as long as there are record sales, you get, you could be lucky. It's quite an interesting concept. So it's yeah. stimulated. It's kind of like almost like a lottery concept, yeah. and that you will get paid to download the album free. Yeah. If you are there at the right time on the website, when when enough LP vinyl sales are made, then he'll give he'll pay you to take it for free as a download. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because yeah. it completely turns this whole concept of yeah, um, the way that distribution works um, and the digital distribution works, completely turns it on its head. Yeah. And really all it does is it stimulates um, it, in a lot of ways, it stimulates people to want to buy the the vinyl records too. Yeah. yeah. Also, because they're limited edition and very hard to get one, them, they sell very fast too mm-hmm. because they're quite limited editions. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how much it was. I think four hundred, but yeah, mm. it's something mm. around it. Yeah, but also, yeah, I think it's. It's nice, but also you have to think about it as a closed system. Like what I was telling you mm-hmm. before is that the, the the record is already on all these download for free. Yeah. Just today I saw it. So in a way that kills the the concept, but I mean it's, it's in another realm anyway. So so I don't know. Like yeah. I, I could still believe that this, this has its own um, life and its yeah. own people to interact with this it system. It does. I mean, it has its own life and its own integrity as long yeah, as it works exactly. within that system, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, it, it moves at the speed that people is is buying, basically. Yeah. So. And um, that um, reminds me of something else that I wanted to ask you. In general, from since the beginning of your career, you have always managed yourself as an independent artist. You've never had a record label as such, like a contract where you were contracted as, a, as an artist, or have you always worked as an independent, self-managed artist? Yeah, the only contract that I have right now is a publishing one, which I got uh, like a couple of years ago. But apart from these, yeah, I've always been jumping into small record I mean, small, as small as the Nicholas Jar one could be, which is mm-hmm. the biggest one that I've been. And uh, Human Ear Music, which is from here, 
is also an independent record label. And I really like, I, I really enjoyed this dynamic so far. Uh, it makes sense to me because um, I make a living from music and uh, it's, it's a complex, um, yeah, uh, it makes sense not only because of the record label, but because of the concerts and, and because of the collaborations I start doing and because of the way the music starts spreading, like for instance, right now I started to collaborate with a visual artist. Last year I made the four pieces for her um, uh, exhibition and we are working on a film right now, like a, a fiction, historical fiction, visual experiment. I don't know if, if, it, if it's already, if we could call it and call it a film, but um, and so I'm making the soundtrack for it, and uh, I really love it. it like to, to just because of the fact that I decided to do, to to make music uh, a while ago, ten years ago, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is starting to happening to happen so spontaneously, and yeah, uh, yeah. Wow. I started to, yeah. Anyway. And so a lot. So when you talked about the. The stuff that you do with film as well. So you're also doing a lot of stuff with film. I understand. Like you're working. Yeah, I mean the the like this realm technique used in my work. I used it for uh, an EP, like the one that I released with uh, Nicolas Jar, and mm-hmm. the one before the CCG. But this was more like it just happened qu- quite accidentally. It's just because it was a rather harsh time for me and uh, it was very very difficult to concentrate and I felt like and I was living in a very loud uh, street in Barcelona and I felt like the only way I could really start working was was with a lot of information happening at the same time Mm -hmm. like I was playing a film I had a tons of book open and podcasts and this and this and that and then I could make music otherwise like just with the noise of the street I was I couldn't somehow and then just yeah this i try to make it a technique but i think it's not anymore a technique i mean i I need to try something new definitely for the next recordings um when i've seen you play um i i often feel like you um are having you're collaborating with your machinery and you're having a dialogue with the machinery and your uh, your equipment and your general kind of the technology that you use is in, is working with you in collaboration in a way that you're not controlling it as much as it is somehow controlling you and the decisions yeah. that you make. So in a way, you are often in my my interpretation of when I see you play, I often get this feeling that you are creating you are, have created this technique of of creating this. In, this organic environment, which you're sort of only sort of micromanaging. Mm-hmm. You're not completely in control of it. Yeah. And sometimes some things will happen that will then spur something else, very much like the piece that we just listened to, where it feels like it's evolving. And mm-hmm. I just wondered if you could explain a little bit about the technology that you use and the approach, that how you approach the technology and the hardware and software. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I use live uh, to perform. I mean, I use the computer and uh, 
I've been using for quite a while uh, this Midimorph uh, Mugger Fugger pedal, which has become sort of my closest um, instrument that I feel has given me more possibility, I would say. And uh, with it, I process the bass guitar. I'm playing bass guitar. I sing not so much lately, but I use the voice sometimes. Um, what else? Uh, I recently got a 90s, from the 90s, a uh, little, it's called the Micromodular Clavia Synthesizer from Nord Modular. And that I use specially to process the voice because it has really, really interesting vocoders. And, um, and to play and to process, yeah, the bass and to, yeah, play other sounds, what else? So yeah, I use the computer just to be able to play some samples and um, make loops to try to, I try to leave it half and half, half improvised and half like, like what you said, because I tried, like before I used to make more structured songs and I also tried to make it as such live. And I felt like maybe in the third concert that I had to do that, I was really bored and I was, it didn't make sense anymore. Mm. So I really started <coughs> enjoying performing when I left uh, something open to happen because of how the space was, how the PAS is, how if there is a lot of bass frequency, then I can uh, try to use it mm. or if the if we only have a guitar amp for whatever reason, then I just try to work with it. Like, and I feel like this is the only way. If I leave it half and half, I well, half, whatever. I don't know what it is, but some part is open to to sure, to, sure. to the space and to the situation, of course, and how I feel and how I react because we are different every day and sure, we react yeah. differently to spaces and. Um, yeah, sometimes you feel like you want to do deeper sounds and also the PA is responding and then it's an opportunity that you might be missing just by structuring the work uh, previously. <clears throat> so That makes a lot of sense. So you have, you have a lot of control and flexibility over what you do as a performer in that sense because yeah, you don't, don't have, have a, a set. lot of you control. Don't, you don't have a set yeah. and you go and do your set and go like, oh, my set didn't work because I've only got this to work with. Yeah, exactly. And it's like when we did that trip um, earlier this year, we were t on a tour together in Spain. And one day we were playing in a little pub. Yeah. And then the next day we were playing in a huge theatre. And then the next day we were playing in a sort of half outdoors bar restaurant place and then the next day we're playing in a huge cathedral so you have to be prepared yeah. in a way to cope and to be able to work with the different environments in that sense that when you're touring and playing live that you your exactly. your music has to be able to be able to yeah not only that but also enjoy it because that's one of the main things that became sort of my obsession because there was a point in my life which i really hated performing and it was really hard to yeah like yeah. how how am i gonna <laughs> do this this is so annoying like yeah. because i really enjoy making music and producing it and i'm working at home at my own 
speed and with whatever I feel is right and spending the time that I need to spend in just one little thing. But of course, on the spot, you have to use another strategies. And if you're not enjoying it, it could be really horrible. Mm. Yeah. Sure, sure. So, so yeah, this was finally, I guess, after working and working and making a lot of mistakes, I guess. Um, I still make, yeah, a lot of mistakes, but um, at least I, I feel like I enjoyed and I try to really respond to the space. It what is what makes sense to me, I guess. That's why um, I downloaded your technical writer uh -huh. um, from your <laughs> website. And this is something I that I thought it was, was, it was really interesting um, because um, it, it's very specific and it's very clear and it's a great, really great um, visual document. Do you mind if I pass it around? Go ahead. Um, and um, it just, it, for me, this was really great. Um, and I thought that a really important thing about this was the, just the visual diagram. And it's so clear um, that means that you can walk into any place as long as the venue has this gear, you can do a gig. Yeah. Right? Pretty much. You could yeah. do that. With, um, you still get surprises though, but yeah. Yeah. But I think it's a great thing to be that refined in your in all of your technical stuff to know what works and you mm. know what you've you've refined it to the point that you know what doesn't work and what works, yeah. and um, and um, I really like the hospitality rider as well, which is one bottle of wine with opener. <laughs> That's really important because I think oh, yeah. that I I think that there have been occasions where you go to a gig and there's a bottle of wine on the rider but there's no opener. Absolutely. And then someone has to go out and try and find an opener or tries to open the wine with a knife and then it's just, <laughs> just, just terrible. And then there's water with no gas and um, fruit and vegetables. Oh yeah, because and that's, that's a classic. They always put these sandwiches with um, ham and cheese, so which is fine. But then when you're <laughs> on tour and eating that over and over. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that, that that's a really important point that it's like it's it's not that much fun when you get into that. But I, I thought that was a, just a, just in terms of your technical thing. That's a, that's a really great a really great example of cool. things. Um, so um, I wonder, do you want to play another piece of music, or do you want to throw it out for some questions? Or As you like. Music. Sure. What sound generators do you use? What do you use to? To like create sound to begin yeah. with. Uh, well, I use the bass uh, guitar. So electric bass. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly, yeah. and. Uh, I use my voice sometimes, and uh, I'm using the OP1 as well. OP1, this, uh, yeah, the, the small one. And yeah, I think the OP1 is my main instrument lately. What? No, this is Teenage Engineering. It's the small white. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. It's so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, so but it's really worth it. I really like it. I really like the sound of, so of I, it. I wanted to ask you, it's just a con uh, follows up on this. So, do you have any connection like within the character of the sound and the story you are telling? Mm -hmm. Is there, you know, like the voice, that's clear. Mm -hmm. The bass, it's clear. And the OP, or this, yeah. you know, like the. The kind of like the, the, the synth is talking there. 
Yeah. So do you work with with the character of the, of the sound as well when you make the composition? Uh, you know, like it, it, yeah. What I'm at, uh, what I, no, no, I understand you. Like it has already is already built in a, in a certain way, and I do have to, uh, yeah, confess that I'm not so nerdy in the sense to, to modify everything that came with it. Definitely, but I use I use for example the Mugerfuger, like the one I mentioned before, which is a resonant filter with uh, patterns that make make the filtering dynamic with mm -hmm. patterns. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it anyway. Well, I was more mm -hmm. after the concept, concept mm -hmm. thinking. Oh. Uh, no, not how you create it, that's uh, another thing, but if it makes sense within your head that this sound will play this part in your soundtrack movie. Or mm, yeah, that's the thing. I, in this sense, I think I start more with accidents at the beginning and then these accidents become what they become. Like I start just to maybe improvising with sounds and changing parameters and passing it through effects. It stopped happening that I think about a sound and then I try to recreate it. I, I, I try to... I do it sometimes, but I, I work more on the accident, especially at the beginning and then I just, I just try to mix it and and make it sound what I what I really am looking for or something. Yeah. So you're always w working with recorded audio. That's always the source. You don't use MIDI or. Uh, yeah, not so much no. lately. Yeah, more start with audio. recorded. Yeah, mm -hmm. samples as well. Or, uh, yeah, like w for this record, I used some samples from films just because when I was playing, when I was recording something, I play some film and then the sound it was happening at this time was making sense. And then either I try to recreate it in a way or I just use it straight. Or, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, from Ableton Live. Uh, yeah, I, I don't work so much with the operator actually, but sometimes I use the FM8, sometimes I use the... Native Instruments. Yeah, or... Oh yeah, there was this emulation of, but this, I, it, it's been a while that I don't use it, like of this um, cathedral, sort of... Um, keys. Uh, yeah, organs. <laughs> that I use sometimes, but... Yeah, lately the OP1 is the main source mm -hmm. and the bass and the voice. Mm. So yeah, let's play. I don't know any, what. Sorry to interrupt. Any specific reverbs or delays that you are using? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it depends. Like when I'm performing, I try to use as much as I can what comes with Ableton Live just for because of latency and um, but when I'm recording or producing or mixing I like the ones that Waves has like uh, this um, I don't remember the name true this are uh, true verb are verb or yeah um, or the the um, I don't remember the names like this convolution yeah, that comes with convolution. it. 
Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. I. I definitely use this and. Yeah, the the OP one has some that are okay, and also my sound cards on has uh, the RME US UCX. Yeah, has a reverb that sometimes is is nice to use. And yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. Mm. So should I play something? From the new one, also. As you like. Flotto.
Collaboration. How do you feel? What What's your relationship to collaboration with with other artists or instrumentalists or musicians? Is you've worked with lots of different people, and especially there was that included this list of people I've got here: Barbara Morgenstein, F. S. Bloom, Gudrun Gott, um, Julia Holter, and of course that um, project that you did with um, Rashid Becker, Charlotte Collin, and Laurel Halo. Um, Julia Holter and Kohei Matsunaga, Matsunaga um, yeah. which was this collaboration where you pieced all of the stuff together, yeah. like a kind of... It, um, it's a project yeah. that started, like the initiative, it's a project uh, that started by uh, um, Kohei, which mm -hmm. is called a telepathic, telepathic collaboration, and just basically means that whoever he invites for one sessions for one session is going to start recording at the same time wherever we are so we were at different spots new york and los angeles wherever and then um, we set a time and a amount of time and then we recorded for 20 minutes mm -hmm. and then uh, rashad mixed it mixed all the things together and uh it's just to see what happens like mm -hmm to maybe trust yeah. telepathic um, yeah. possibilities. It's quite incredible. We actually listened to it the other day. On Tuesday in my class here, we listened to that. <laughs> okay. Um, but it, it brought up a, yeah, it, um, some questions about that. It, not just that project, but in general, how do you feel about the importance of collaboration with mm. other artists? Like, for example, I've seen you play a lot with Don the Tiger, mm -hmm. as and how how does it affect you and your process when you're working with someone else? Yeah, I really really like it. Although I sort of a while ago decided that this was gonna be like a solo project, mm -hmm. uh, that maybe I invite people from time to time, but that doesn't mean I don't open up to other projects like this one or, or mm -hmm. collaborations. I really like it. It's just that I really don't imagine anymore this project happening with somebody else on stage. Mm -hmm. or I tried once and it really didn't make sense at all. I was feeling really strange because then I have to worry about someone else there apart from my machines and my body also. So mm -hmm. um, like, I don't know why this made sense as a, as a solo, at least in the performance uh, level, but in the composition level, I really like to sometimes just send stuff at a level that is not very well developed. Like for instance, this song, I just send the to, to these guys and then just to see what, what they do. And then, um, yeah, you they come with amazing melodies and you're surprised like how mm. things definitely change after. Because then you have this thing to respond to this other. Yeah, so exactly. Sure. And then the, the song just, or the track just goes, goes somewhere, has another parallel life. Hmm. Yeah, no, I really like and I really think it's important to try to bring other elements to the equation, especially by trying to do it all, all these years. I, it's, it's very difficult definitely to have endless amount of inspiration mm -hmm. or to 
or capacity to to work. Yeah. Although it surprisingly and surprisingly it always shapes and changes, but just by this mm -hmm. information, external information, collaboration and lately I also think that not only that collaboration with other musicians but also with other fields and this I've been learning from the lady that I've been working with this um, visual artist because she really has a complex work working with I don't know she goes to Atacama Desert to the whatever radio telescope they have there and she goes there and interviews and records stuff and she's just visual artist and then she's crossing all these fields and from there she's bringing the pieces sure. and I think this is this is very definitely very valuable when you start to cross fields because and in the sense like being an engineer for example started to make sense finally to me because I've always wondered like why did I study this this doesn't make sense but then at some point in one record, I started to to read about um, geology in this more philosophical terms of layers that maybe one that had, you have considered that was underground, buried forever, could actually come again for whatever reason uh, and make a surprise and change the landscape that you consider was in a certain way. So in this way I was introducing um, or just uh, thinking about geology in this sense and how could I link it to what I was doing. Wow, that's really so, interesting. So yeah, I think... Yeah. So um, there's two really interesting ideas that you... I know what you mean when you talk about the idea that you're working with this visual artist, that the, the language, um, the, the theoretical language becomes very different. And when you yeah. start to apply that to a musical realm, then you're, you've got a different kind of template to work from somehow. You're starting to look at it. You're starting to think differently about music in a way. Yeah, definitely. And I start to, like, I feel there are other forces that are pulling me somewhere else that yeah. I wasn't expecting at all. Or just other ideas that only make sense um, in this space. Or yeah, Like, I did these pieces with her and we were using uh, voiceovers because mm -hmm. she wrote these lyrics and then... I started to record it with my voice, but it didn't really make sense. And she she cares a lot about um, artificial intelligence. is a is a topic that she talks about a lot. Or if we live in a in a in a yeah in a reality that is actually designed by our children or stuff like this. So, and then uh, just with these concerns in mind, it made sense that the voices were actually voiceovers and not my real voice right. uh, to record. And then uh, I wouldn't have thought about this possibility and it became sort of essential. Like lately, I've really, I introduced these elements uh, in my work lately quite a lot, uh, mm -hmm. voiceovers talking. Okay. Like recently I was doing a, a I was invited to do a live score of a Schlingensief mm -hmm. film, this German director from here. And then I just tried to, to re-fictionalize re again the film just by bringing new dialogue 
to it, mm-hmm. uh, just thinking about what the images could be saying, and I just did it with these voiceovers. So yeah, this only happened because of these collaborations. So. Wow. Okay. Mm. So that's really interesting. That how how that influences and changes your way of approaching. Yeah. No, and I really love it, and and definitely. I would like to, yeah, I start to see that I really would like to work with images, something that I really enjoy lately. Mm-hmm. How, yeah, how I'm making this soundtrack, soundtrack right now and it's definitely absolutely different, just that you have to synchronize every gesture and move sure, to, yeah. for this that is happening, for the decision that someone else made. Yeah, so do you feel that when you're doing a soundtrack that you're compromising your music or do you feel that you're enhancing it by being making it more flexible? Is it, no, is it just I, just try, I just try to understand how or try to think about where, how can actually music enhan- enhance mm-hmm. and, yeah. If, or yeah, bring or, or even like she was to the point that say um, she was saying even that I could just work in a way that was really contradictory to what the images were. Like I didn't necessarily have to like uh, in a moment of tension bring sure. real tension, but just work with contradiction in this sense. So I, yeah. So it's really free, and that I really like because you you. You try to really stop working on stereotypes of what you have seen, at least in film, like sure. in a sad moment, there is this sad song or in a whatever, you know. So for me, it's, it's challenging, especially. Yeah. That's pretty interesting, um, interesting idea that because I often think about this too, about what um, what really constitutes the purpose of music with with film yeah and uh, quite often um, uh, f- some of the most effective film music is very um, very minimal mm-hmm. or almost non-existent I mean yeah even famous compo- film composers like Morricone who's mm-hmm. famous for his film composition um, a lot of the time there's very little music in those yeah. films. That it, there's very very little small little themes that are placed here and there, as opposed to some films that are just full of music. Mm. And I think it's a really important consideration about how much it affects and changes the the direction of the film. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can experiment by put, placing one piece of sound under under a, a under a f- film sequence, and if it's all tense. Um, violins mm-hmm. it's going to create tension yeah definitely and if you and if it's not you can cha- you can change it so dramatically so it, it's plays such a huge role in cinema and television mm. and everything yeah 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 definitely like for instance in this in this film i know that they there are these artists wanted to sort of create a horror film but mm-hmm. The images were in horror because mm-hmm. she's just um, using footage from very specific things. So how do we make this a horror film in a way? Because, of course, the, the contents and what the voice are talking about are really intense. It mm-hmm. relates to something that happened in, in Chile 
during the government of Salvador Allende and yeah it's it's quite terrifying but of course it definitely is is the sound that you use what is really making this just a documentary or in the sense or really a horror or a horrifying experience mm -hmm. or try to recreate this experience that these people that live this situation could have failed somehow. Mm -hmm. um, then what would you say you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. <laughs> um, what would you say would be some of your influences in music? Who who are some people that would have influenced that you could say would have influenced you in a way? Yeah, um, it yeah it has of course changed uh, from decades I would say, but lately um, or at least in the last maybe five years or so, I started to listen to this Italian composer, Alessandro Alessandroni, mm -hmm. which is just a library, library music um, composer. Um, but definitely, and this also, and also all this library music um, made me realize many things about music in a way, because it was music that of course was created for film but mm. for a non-existent film, yes, uh, for the possibility of recreating a scene or a situation or a mm -hmm. feeling. And then, and it was with the aesthetics of the 70s, which I find is really interesting, at least, the, I don't know, compressors or the sources that they were using back in the day, it sounds really rich. And uh, so, yeah, this one and, um, let me think. Uh, this is always difficult. <laughs> because it, it erases from your memory. Yeah, sure. But I can right. think. Yeah, lately I've been I've been listening a lot to this uh, also electronic music composer Todd Dogstader. Oh yeah. Which is playing a lot with. Um, He's sort of spatialized. Yeah, exactly. He's incredible. And it's really intense also. I met uh, Rashad Becker here and he has been a good Im good influence for me. He has played me especially Korean music that I really don't know about and mm -hmm. that is really good also. Yeah, Don't the Tiger jazz that has been valuable to me. Mm -hmm. uh, lately, Coil I really like. Yeah, Brian Eno, of course, the, mm -hmm. the Another Green World um, record was very important at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, we could start. Could go and on. Never. <laughs> End. <laughs> um. Shall we have some more questions or yeah. more music? Whatever you like. More questions. I, I have a question. Yes. Um, less technical, more about the composition. Yeah. So your music sounds like a, like a big melting pot of ideas. Yeah. But you manage to navigate through these ideas very nicely, very smoothly. So you go like, like visit them. Yeah. Follow 
it's very unexpected. So I guess, how do you how do you make sense of this? How do you how do you bring these very different ideas together into one piece of music that makes sense? I don't know. Yeah. No, 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 great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean just by the process of working. Um, yeah. I think it's your sensitivity, no? On the plays, on the stage, you feel it and you react what what's happening. It's like. No, no, not, not on the notice. stage. Like here at home, and the, oh, okay. the podcasts, and the books, and the television, and, the <laughs> and uh, you know, you try to to organize all these ideas together. Yeah, yeah, right? definitely. So, 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 is it just waiting, just like playing around with them? Like, I'm waiting, waiting a lot of. Yeah. yeah, I'm mostly waiting all the time. Yeah. No, yeah, but uh, no, just joking. But um, yeah. I don't know. I've, yeah, this 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 that you listen to. I've been almost working for two years on it. So, of course, like to think about how this very specific process happened is just so complex because it could have happened like in so many days that I made very subtle decisions until it became what it became. And uh, yeah. Do you have a plan when you start? <coughs> uh, I had sort of a good lesson when I was starting to make music by this uh, crazy friend who was sort of obliging me to uh, to make a list of the yes and no. And then he said, put everything that is not going to be there and everything that is going to be there, even to, the, to, to something very simple, you know, like, is it going to have piano? No. So then you never touch a piano anymore. Or is it going to have, I don't know, symbols? Or is it going to have voices and how? So then uh, this, this was like the first uh, productions I made and it was really useful because at least uh, it made me not to waste too much time into trying things that I shouldn't because I already like made this uh, a, a little bit smaller. Even though maybe in the end I end up using a piano just because it made it made sense ultimately, but at least at the beginning of the processes that maybe are more complex in that you are there blank, um, it was useful. So I do feel that I still have this list in my head, although I don't do it anymore. Just by the process of working and working and working, I just intuitively have like this list of things that I should pursue and things that I shouldn't in a way yeah. like for instance in this record I knew already that I didn't want to sing just to try it just to accidentally just a voice uh, happen at the beginning and some other word here and there but uh yeah like I didn't want to struggle with this because I struggled in the last record quite a lot to oblige myself to sing to the point that I say why why am I who is obliging me to sing why you know like, and then I said, that's it. I'm just going to do this instrumental and see how it goes. And then, yeah, the, just a physical thought, almost, almost, yeah, physical in the sense of thinking about this object traveling and just this abstract idea of uh, something that could be happening at a different scale. For instance, it could be just a bacteria, I don't know, transforming, or it could be just something else. And then just this abstract idea gives me, um, oh my God. Yeah. 
Yeah, it gives me a, yeah, a way to work. Yeah, I'm lost in no, my head. No, not at all. Uh, just to, 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 to finalize my question, if you don't mind. So is there a point where you can tell, okay, this is done? Yeah, I guess it comes just because maybe I, I always try to stop before I'm getting tired of it. I think I somehow I really found a way to do that, which is something that I, I find very funny in people that I know that I work with sometimes that they repeat and repeat and repeat until the point that is, it really doesn't make sense mm -hmm. anymore and you can feel it. So yeah, intuitively, you, you, I, I don't know how, but I try to force myself not to, not to touch too much uh, something because then, yeah, it loses the, I don't know if the power, the, I don't know. I don't know what it, what it is. Also, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily first take, best take, as many people say, but I do think things like this, um, resilience thing that um, things, material or whatever, reaches that you really have to stop there, otherwise. Yeah. Hope. Because that's, I think this is the beautiful moment when you said that uh, to have a finished set and do it third, fourth, fifth time on the stage, it's boring. And yeah, yeah, yeah. if you are not the pianist and you don't master the skill, yeah. this is not what is required from you. So mm -hmm. I think, the, the, and also for me personally, the idea of leaving some space for, oh, something might happen and I have to deal with it right now with this situation is amazing. It's very inspiring. Yeah. Because I, I took another, I remix. Every time I know I play there, I remix my set. Mm -hmm. It's like whole hour. But I do it differently because I know the space is different. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work. I could do it just on the place, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. So this is really nice that you are still living open, and that's what I think. Like I think you also train your sensitivity immediately. Know you are at home in your mm. music land, so you know that the the sound should be here or there. So yeah, yeah. Now. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's what makes sense to me. I don't, yeah, I, I totally see, like, for instance, I saw this Portishead concert once and it was super cal calculated. Every move, every little frequency was there for a reason and calculated. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it makes sense for them and it, it's fine and it's still an enjoyable concert, I would say. Mm -hmm. But I'm, but yeah, I, I'm, I just was accepting the the fact that I'm a clumsy person more than anything mm -hmm. and then yeah it's difficult for me to be skilled at something and I'm gonna always make a mistake live and then I really have to play with it rather than suffer it mm -hmm. so this is sort of how I did sometimes I yeah sometimes it could go really wrong and then it's embarrassing but it's okay, it's <laughs> okay. It's yeah. interesting what you say because um, here at DBS we've, um, we've been talking a, a lot about this concept of a musical ecology. Mm -hmm. So using the term of the, the idea of ecology being, meaning well, if we define music as being an ecology that it's something that's constantly evolving and changing. Mm -hmm. And that really when we map and look at 
at the history of music, that music is actually really can be defined as an ecology on all of these different levels. Mm -hmm. So over a whole genre, over decades, mm -hmm. or over one piece, or within one bar, or within a few seconds of a piece of music, that when we, when we start to treat it like that and think of, about music as being an ecological system, mm -hmm. then it opens up all of these other possibilities mm -hmm. that takes away the formalities of this idea that music is this rigid yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really interesting how, and I would say from from my analysis of what you were doing is, what you were doing is really is using technology to embrace this kind of concept, mm -hmm. and that the technology now has evolved as well. And the technology has its own kind of ecology because now we have technology which allows us to be able to make music in this very flexible way. Mm. And it's become very elastic. Mm -hmm. And with electronic music in the past, it's always been very rigid and limited. And now that, that we have a certain types of technology which allow this kind of flexibility with music creation, that it has become much more organic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that your music reflects that in, mm -hmm. in, a really, in a very powerful way. Cool. Because a lot of electronic music is very much about the blocks of, yeah. you know, and you are, you're not adhering to the blocks mm -hmm. so much. Yeah. Thank Sorry, you. Sorry, I think that you wanted to say something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a simple question. Um, yeah. Actually, I like to use Ableton also. I ask everyone, are you a clip view person? I'm <laughs> <laughs> both. <laughs> yeah, it depends. Is that a really, I... that a really personal question? <laughs> uh, you know, I used to really, really couldn't stand clip view. I didn't know what to do with it. It looked like a karaoke machine, but now yeah. I'm starting to use it. No, I mean, I use the. You said arrangement and clip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I use the arrangement to compose, to make music, and the other one to, to perform live. It doesn't make sense the other way around. Yeah, actually, the other day I was DJing at this Berlin community radio, and I don't know what made me think that the arrangement view made sense to make a DJ set, and I made so much mistakes for the first time. So, yeah, I will never do it again <laughs> for a radio show, but it was fun like to try to bring very quickly the, the tracks, uh, yeah, anyway. So you never get ideas down in Clipview? It's just always... No, never, okay. never. I don't know why. It's just visually, I like to see the waves, I like to see the time, yeah. The other way I feel it's too structured to, uh, yeah, to this mm -hmm. matrix, so... Yeah, yeah, and in the sense I, I really, although I work with loops, of course, I, I try to avoid the idea of the repetition, repetition there happening. Yeah. So, it's not that I criticize it; it's just that it doesn't make sense to me. screen for a while before we can get anywhere because there's so many options so limiting ourselves is probably one of the more useful things to do yeah definitely 
do you is does that list only contain instruments and sounds or do you go into emotions or adjectives or? uh yeah like i said i don't do it anymore like a physical list mm. uh but it contains it if it contains something it was more like sort of technical mm, yeah. stuff something very practical but for instance, uh, yeah, I made a record, uh, the one, two records before this one, um, in which my limitation was that I wanted to uh, use the bass as the main source of sound as much as I could. Of course, there are other sources, but I really try to, I really like the idea of having this instrument that is very limited already in frequency range, like how to expanded uh, with of course I mean and in the sense it's something that makes sense live because of course I'm always thinking about this how am I gonna perform and do you think of that at the starting point of your composition I try to yeah I try to be aware of it not to to go too crazy like there are songs like in this record that I'm just not gonna perform ever because it really doesn't make sense anymore and there are other songs that just transform to the live realm in a different way, and maybe they are less rich, but it makes sense in the um, in a in a room where where people are watching a performance performance and not just listening to a like like here. So, yeah. You have Ableton with you now. Yes. Why? I, just, I don't know. I mean, it's quite easy for you then to perform, isn't it? Ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best one. Don't try. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can go arrange a rider. We've got all this equipment and Lido. We just cross the road. <laughs> 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 Three bottles of wine. Yeah, exactly. I don't have my bottle of wine. My opener. Yeah, my no fruit. Wine opener. I'm performing on Sunday and it's my release party. You're welcome to come to Soundcheck if you want. No, just kidding. Um, I'm really in. Yeah, Spectrum. It's mm -hmm. a Neukolm. It's a Schonlein Strasse Urban. And it's a really cool gallery and a really it's cool really, really I recommend good you place. all to go because it's something. I have like a problem because I just I stopped working for three weeks doing all these exams, so I have like. I need to start working again this weekend, <laughs> so I actually have to do something to make money. Uh, you're pushing to get on the guest list, aren't you? <laughs> no, I won't, I won't have time, unless you're playing really late, because I'll finish at like no. half past one. Yeah. No, I mean, I have <laughs> nothing <laughs> against the idea, but I... I You're yeah. going to go a long way in the music business. <laughs> <laughs> the first, that's the first thing, to, the first thing about being in the music. Who is it who played there? It's only your... It's uh, also a project, uh, it's called Ursula Bogner, uh, which is uh, played live by Jan Jelinek. Yeah. But like, I mean, like you alone with the visuals, or just you alone? Just me, yeah. Uh -huh, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no visuals. Yeah, I usually don't have visuals uh, live. Mm -hmm. I like, yeah, to have, to have it very dim, light. Yes. It's a really, really great venue too. It's mm. a beautiful place. It's a small place. It looks like nothing. Tiny little bar on the corner. But then it has this great big back room with a very high bass and 
maybe about the size of this room, but with twice the height, and it's a really oh, good yeah. venue to see music. Do you find in. this in Berlin? Like you, you have so many little makeshift venues that are like all just super cool and weird mm. and abstract and dark or really light or you know like that. I find that really inspiring here. Mm -hmm. So you can just go into a bar and you don't think there's any music playing, and then you go to like a locked, appearingly locked door. You open it and it's like downstairs in a little spiral staircase and then you're like in a dungeon with like some experimental electronic music and people like just totally into it yeah yes. cool. now that's definitely inspiring about berlin i have to say the amount of uh, possibilities people seem to insane. always be ready to accept unfinished music as well so you can always play a set with things you're working on rather than have to polish everything there's a lot of open-mindedness towards the arts, I feel. Okay. That's a really interesting point, yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of cities, you have to be like, this is perfect, and then you can play. Oh, yeah? Here. It seems, I don't know, I th I'm thinking more of the kind of people that choose to live here. and they're I think it's the whole scene, you know? People are not, they are not after the finished product. They are about the process, here in Berlin especially. But do you think mm -hmm. people go because of the process and yeah i don't know no, i think they just happen to be there and then they experience the process and not the finished I but feel, uh, i feel like berlin has a very dark energy like if you go looking for energy in certain places you don't find like glamorous you find very like interesting grimy uh, dark energy mm -hmm. so i think that it kind of reflects the 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 point of not having something polished and finished, mm -hmm. but having something kind of, you know, you can play anything. So, yeah. mm. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought. You seem to have people here celebrating the dark side of existence, <laughs> in a way. But if you think of darkness doesn't have to relatively really mean uh, like vibrating at a lower frequency, it can just be another approach which people are not used to. And mm. I don't want to go further into this because this is a huge topic and you're doing a lecture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that's a really interesting point, the idea that, that it's possible, I mean, it's possible for people to perform music when it's at a d still in a developmental stage, um, that it doesn't have to be polished and turned into a complete marketable product that is a show that goes from start to finish. And that it's possible that people can do things and keep an open mind, and that um, that's a g generally in a lot of the principles about about um, with improvised improvisation in music is a really important thing, I think, and I think that's a that's a really valid um, observation of this sort of community in in Berlin, where these types of activities are much more permitted. Than in, in in some other places. Yeah, but I mean, I also maybe many people do it anyway. I'm just thinking of friends that have told me many times, musicians. No, I'm just gonna test this song tonight just to see how it goes. And mm. yeah, in the sense, it makes sense. Like Kohema Tsunara, for example, NHK is always making music with this little, super little speaker just one speaker mm -hmm. this little and he makes techno and mm -hmm. then uh, of course he's always laughing because sometimes the, the the beat is 
extremely loud or he just didn't realize it but he likes this clumsiness of, of this way of producing and then finding surprises there or even in the or even in the master when he listens in another uh, space or whatever yeah mm -hmm. well the master doesn't make sense because then maybe the master took care of that but at least in the this composition to bring it there just as it is mm -hmm. there are surprises and Maybe that's what, that's where the thrill is for him. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting, really, really, really interesting point. That you're sort of leading it, leaving quite a lot to chance in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Leaving a lot of it open to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's another way to leave it open, definitely, to chance. But in a way, yeah, also I sound itself like the same already produced sound reacts so differently in every space that in a way it could feel as unfinished or just spontaneous in this way like you really have to react quickly to it like there are many sounds here and i i sort of try to like to play especially with high frequencies to try to bring it loud and this is a fight that i always have with engineers for instance or mastering people that they always compress it I'm like no leave it as loud as possible because I really like this difference and I really like this surprise that maybe comes and is disturbing I really like this but then of course sometimes it's, a, it's even louder than what you expected just because of the PA system and the space yes and then it could be really extreme but I just like that too, in a way. And that's kind of like, in a way that, that's kind of how with your um, technical writer, that you kind of seem to be able to keep as much control to yourself yeah. from stage, so you're not relying on a sound, um, a sound technician to manage your sound and, at all. You can, you can just send your stereo mix to them and you can control your dynamics yourself yeah. from stage more. Yeah, it's always difficult anyway, I would say. Yeah. I was, uh, recently I had the, ex the um, experience to play in two venues, different venues, uh, in which uh, the PA was around it, mm -hmm. uh, like, yeah, performing from the center, and I think this is the best yeah. way to perform I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. Just behind the PA, sometimes it really doesn't make sense how the... Um, sound is coming back to you, how the monitors are working is difficult to tell. I really want to leave what people is listening to because in a way I'm I'm feeling like I could be giving more accuracy to what I'm doing. Sure. When you are behind it and you're trusting the person that is there that is maybe actually listening for the first time to your music. Yeah. Is sometimes a lot of risk. And sure. then it, it almost it makes more sense for you to perform from the mixing yeah, stage. Yeah, definitely. When, I really like it, and yeah. when it's possible, I, I do it. But this is something that I just started to think mm. recently. And also that I feel I'm less worried about the technical stuff because I already got accustomed to, to it and less, af less afraid to, to these two surprises or whatever, that maybe controlling the sound myself makes sense. Mm -hmm. and it adds, yeah, something to it, definitely. Um, 
What are your, um, how do you feel about um, presentation? Presentation, what like, do you mean? What about, how do you feel about your, like, uh, speaking about this idea of, I have a friend, for example, who's a musician and she's making this stuff with um, electroacoustic music, really, that she makes a multi-track, eight-channel mm -hmm. diffusion things, and she likes to perform from the mixing desk rather than performing on stage. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered how you feel about the ideas, about the way that representation happens oh. on stage. Because we've been talking a little bit in my class about some of these ideas about the about the way that um, electronic music is presented as a performance. Mm -hmm. And what are your thoughts on on like the actual staging and presentation of what you do as a performer? Mm. Um, how important is it for you in terms of visuals or lighting or smoke machine or whatever? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, it has been changing from with time, I would say. Like um, maybe two years ago, for me, the stage persona and this presence and even looking at people was important. But also it was a really, really heavy struggle for me because I, I don't feel I'm like that. I'm not, uh, in essence, like someone who projects this way. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I tend to be shy. In this sense, and also, but also you have to resolve it in a way that could be, could add something to it. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, yeah, um, maybe just gestures is what I what I aim for. Little gestures that suggest changes, maybe. Uh, but I think I'm less worried in, in the last year and maybe sp specifically with the last record because I feel I'm already busy doing too much stuff that I really don't have to worry about a posture or a gesture or mm -hmm. a certain attitude or something like this um, that I feel is more most important than music than anything else. But from people that I've seen performing is always a question like uh, Dean Blount I saw recently and I wonder a lot about it. Yeah, I was wondering a lot like the decisions that he makes yeah, to have this exactly. insane amount of smoke and that you could barely see him and that the um, guitarist sounds quite odd tuned mm -hmm. and how, yeah, why? Is he, is he trying to really make us feel uncomfortable and why? Yes. And uh, yeah. He's quite interesting as an artist in that sense in some ways because he's really playing, mm. he's really playing with that sort of realm of what presentation is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 But I always wonder like, yeah, because of course there is a little and financial limitation to it too. Like you exactly, wish. Yeah. You could have endless amount of money to to make something at least with light. Maybe I would work in a in a. Mm -hmm. I remember playing, where was it? Somewhere in France, and the lightning there was just so insane, and the light guy was just putting all these little lights around me, and every little thing that I did, just a gesture like this, became so intense that it really adds something to the music mm -hmm. 
but um yeah so yeah but it's you always have to work with what you have and what you are in uh, what you have in every space so that makes it a, a little bit more complicated of course mm. like that's one of the reasons why I, I had visuals before, but then I got tired of it just because every setting is so different that sometimes it's just so stupid to have the light mm -hmm. from here or very like the, 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 the projector is not good or whatever mm -hmm. you, you count, whatever technical stuff you have. Oh, I'm speaking horribly right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, <coughs> just um, to go back a little bit, um, I wondered if you would um, be able to talk a little bit about, and maybe just give an overview for people who aren't familiar with it, what the Berlin Music Board is and what your experience was with that last year. Um, yeah, so I think they they have a lot of different scholarships right now they receive support from um the yeah the berlin um yeah exactly sorry um so this one that i participated like i said it was for artists based in berlin that are not from berlin and that are aiming to do to present whatever kind of project they were totally open to what the format was at least when i applied like it could be money that you needed to realize this uh, record or to yeah whatever equipment just to or time at a studio to record whatever you you were needing and so they provide this money of course with the hope that you're gonna you're gonna work on it and uh, I mean, with the with the obligation, maybe uh, that you're gonna work on it, and then, uh, yeah, um, that's it. I really don't know how it is. Like, what are the open yes. calls? Is it, is it music board or initiative music? It's music board. Music. Yeah, the one. Because that there is also an organization called Initiative Music, which support way more like single artists or bands if you need to release. EP and you write nice projects. Oh yeah, this I think also support uh, traveling for uh, traveling costs. That's also I think. The travel costs. Yeah, good too. exactly. And, uh, then the music board you got the Karrierspruch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because they have now four festivals. Yeah, they, they have, have for many they things. They have like four or five expanded. different things. Yeah. Pop in the kids. It's, mm -hmm. it's really good, and now they have money. People bring the yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Great. Money, so mm. Yeah. Can they? Can you get them to the financial school? Senat distributes money into different organizations. You can just search music board and then you will get it. Yeah. And initiative music is the second, which is I think initiative music might be a little bit even more open for the single artists actually. Yeah, I really don't know what is the what is the schedule and how they classify right now, but yeah, yeah, this was nice, especially because I came to Berlin a little bit sort of intuitively just to try it out here and mm -hmm. then this happened like four months after i was here and then of course it made everything have another strength and really concentrate on this project mm -hmm. and yeah 
So yeah, that's an interesting thing, and it's good to keep those kind of things in mind. That, that those sort of a lot of those sort of opportunities are out there. It's easy to forget that some forward-thinking governments and organisations really do consider this. Yes. And a lot of albums that you love were created on grants. And yes. Yeah. yeah, that's really true. When you get you know into the structure of working and stuff. And just go. To Absolutely. Go to the initiative music, and you see all the people who they sponsor, and you will see how much it pushed their career. Yeah. So I think like Hienas, they also got this support from initiative music. They immediately went to the tour all over the world. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, sense. yeah, that's interesting because I come from a country that doesn't have this space mm -hmm. at all. Right. Like I was never accustomed to ask for money for anything. Yes. And then to have this opportunity was quite insane for me, actually. Um, yes. And, yeah, it feels like a huge responsibility, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's okay. great. Is it then your heritage that you like this? You said that you like the small labels because you were growing in the place. And I, I shared a similar kind of uh, history with you with this. There was nothing. There yeah. was no information. Where are you and from? You trusted. Uh, I'm from Czech, but ah, I was, okay. I'm older. So then, therefore, back in my time when I was like teenager looking for like great music, there was nothing. We had to go to Vienna, and <laughs> for the vinyls. But also, then I took always like the label as a curator, and yeah. I trusted them. How right. I found you, Tulstone Moor, ecstatic mm -hmm. piece. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you know. So, do you have still this connection to these little, like independent labels that they are actually doing the hard work, mm. not the big major companies which are making the business? Yeah. What is your What is your personal statement towards like the music industry and the kind of the music industry on the very DIY level or the independent level? Yeah, I don't know because it, I feel it, it has become so huge and complex that is difficult to follow like before you could really select record labels that had a very very specific direction but by now I feel like yeah a lot of things are happening like for instance um, the the record label that I was before Human Ear Music started with Ariel Pink and Julie Halter and Nigel like all these people that had this very specific aesthetic and belong to these colors uh, um, and to to they were really a small scene there mm -hmm. and it made sense but then they started to open up to other musicians even Eckhart Eilers is there and uh, so it, it definitely you feel there is a, a curation there but then it it's a little bit more complex that, to put all the trust just in one decision I would say but yeah, it's so huge right now that it's difficult to follow, like before, I would say. And for your production, like, you, would, you, would you struggle if it would be like a huge label, you know, like... What do you mean? Um, I mean, like, if the offer would come from the big label that you have to sign up for, like, years... Oh! Then would you, would you like, rather keep your personal artistic independence in and just be yourself? I think I'd rather, but that hasn't happened, so I have no idea. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think I've, no, I've thought about it because I've been close to, like, for instance, Julia Holter is a good friend and she signed to Domino and 
not saying that just because it happened to her it will happen to me but at least having this feeling that someone near you has passed through the experience it it puts the question there to you and then it, I really don't know I guess it, it it would have to I would have to see how the conditions are mm -hmm. but I definitely don't like already for instance working in this in this scholarship which, which is the first thing I've done in this way that I've received money to to do a project I really struggled it because not only because I also myself wrote a very specific proposal like I was gonna um, investigate about German film and uh, I was gonna work in a very specific area and then I needed to work in this with this very specific technique and I feel like I really had to stay true to the loyal to the to the proposal I don't know why like and then um, having these very very complicated uh, limitations that I set for myself and not only that but also to spend the money in a very specific way yeah it was it was compromising in a in a in a different way it, and I struggle I it this has been the record that I spend more time making actually because in a way I was cornering myself uh, with all these so yeah. Wow. Hey, um, there's so much incredible information there. Thank you so much for sharing Thank you. Can I just with ask us. A question? Sure. <laughs> Go ahead. You're not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you say so. Like interpretations and associations that we make when we're listening to music. Mm -hmm. Is there anything in particular that throughout the body of your work you mostly associate? Uh, like a feeling, an ideal, whatever. What do you want from me? The <laughs> <laughs> first random answer that comes to your head. No, but yeah, explain a little bit better. No, because I didn't, there was noise and I couldn't get your first part of the okay, sentence. Okay, so like, for example, uh, I'm making music, making, maybe I'm probably thinking about individuality, for example. Uh -huh. Or maybe I'm just thinking about being happy or sad. Yeah. But what is the one that most often comes to you? Mm, yeah, that's interesting. I'm not, yeah, I definitely, I think I stop working by moods lately. Yeah, that's a difficult one. Uh, yeah, I've, yeah, that's a very deep philosophical question. I mean, I this is a, what I wake wake up and start to think about, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> but yeah, so and why do I make music, and what makes it reasonable, and what am I making it for the people? Am I making it for me? Am I contributing to something? But I hope I yeah, I hope I I'm really contributing at least to a movement or something. It's the only like abstract idea I can think about. Like I'm moving and then everybody's moving and everybody's uh, influencing and everybody, yeah, I'm participating into this. I don't know if it's development because I don't know if that's the word, but mm. That's I uh, yeah I didn't answer your question I'm sorry. No yeah I yeah I don't know I it's definitely it's stopped to be about 
love. It's definitely not about politics. I don't want to, although, yeah, in the end, everything could be reduced to politics because ultimately what I did uh, in a record in Barcelona was heavily influenced by how the state of the city uh, or how the crisis shifted the, the there and I started to think about this dust bowl that was this presence of this thing. But yeah, everything, I'm, I'm definitely affected by everything that happens there. It doesn't mean that like what you were saying about Maya, like I need to make a so straightforward statement or like I don't think, uh, I don't use music for that. If I use music maybe is to try to generate a state and possibility or set of states or mind settings to reshape your mind. And this sense, maybe I'm more connected to psychoacoustics to try to think about psychology of when somebody listens to music, what happens. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just, it, this, this is very, 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 very small at the moment. I'm just starting to think about this right now. I, I, guess. I would say just ask people what it brings to them your music because exactly moments of the space which i never experienced before and i love it there you know this is what your music brings to me personally mm -hmm. and i think if you would ask every single person who listens to your music and likes your music you immediately get like five answers yeah i don't know true. if you want to share what you feel i'm really happy to know <laughs> yeah so I think that is really, really great. Um, some really awesome ideas and such a great conversation. Thank you so much. No, thank On you for having me. On behalf of everyone here, I want to thank you. And we would like to invite you to come to our quiz tomorrow night. If you would like to join us. <laughs> because we're having a quiz night. So if you would like to join us, you would be really welcome as a guest. Thank you. And we can probably have more discussion then but thank you everyone for coming along and thank you Lucretia for being our guest no, you have please. been an amazing thank you for having guest. me really. thank you so much